Hello, friends. This week, we're talking heady stuff, trust, forgiveness, anxiety, and the healing and transformative powers of art. I'm Andy Green, and I'm so excited that wherever you are, however you are feeling in this moment, you've opened your ears, mind, and heart and decided to join us for the Naked Man Podcast. This week's guest is artist, activist, and yogi of sketches, Sheila Darcy, who uses her art as a tool to build community, connection, and collaboration. I was introduced to this week's guest by Christopher Miles, a dear friend and collaborator who's become those invaluable things through this podcast. Chris has been one of my biggest supporters as I built this show. He's also been the architect behind all of our designs. During our first conversation about this collaboration, he gifted me a breadcrumb. He told me to look up a friend of his, Sheila Darcy, the creator shaman behind Sketch Poetic, a community built around the healing and transformation potential within ourselves, unlocked through art. Chris met Sheila at Verve, the coffee shop where Sheila's journey with Sketch Poetic began. Weirdly enough, Verve is also my sister's favorite coffee, and I just finished a bag of their Rwandan beans last week. And when I first looked up Sheila, I immediately saw that she had been on a podcast called Real Men Feel a podcast that sounded eerily like my own kernel of an idea. Then I saw who hosted it, a kind man named Andy Grant. There was already an Andy G hosting a podcast about men and feelings. I was crushed. In the past, this would have been enough to make me quit, to abandon the project. But Chris immediately reminded me that I'm not the same Andy G and that I'm not doing this to be unique. Keep going. Get rid of your self-importance. This is what I've learned from Sheila since I started following Sketch Poetic, since I started to bear witness to her daily self-expression. The word that comes to mind when I see Sheila's work is abundance, an abundance of self-expression, of generosity, of passion, and grace. Her art is familiar, yet ineffable. Abstract, honest, naked. A manifestation of emotions, feelings, soul. In many ways, her art feels like an exorcism, an eternal, dynamic becoming. I was compelled to interact with Sheila to respond to her sketches and the vulnerable words paired with it. They felt like prompts for exploring my own path, my own pain. Eventually, Sheila accidentally messaged me over Instagram in response to one of my comments. I knew it was a signal that it was time to connect further, a signal that our paths were about to align. And now, the time has come to see what that entails. So now, I welcome Sheila Darcy to the Naked Man podcast with the following purpose, to get to know each other further, to be curious and playful in our efforts to see one another. Sheila, hello. Thank you so oh, much for joining oh, me. Oh, I mean, I just, if I could do a slow clap, that was a <laughs> slow clap moment. Let's do I it. Mean, introduction, being introduced is never an easy task, but I have to just say, reflecting what you just did, I am so like touched by how well you know me as a creator um, and how I show up in, in the world because of just the way you introduced me and our interaction. I, I think it's fair to, for people to know when you reached out and shared the whole real men feel. Yeah. And he, you know, I said to you, yeah, but your story is very different. You have such a, such a unique story. And I barely, I didn't even know you at the time. I, I, I just sensed that in the way you connected with me. So I, I do believe this is kismet or, you know, whatever stars aligned. I'm excited for this conversation. I cannot wait. And it's so cool to see you. 
Oh yeah. It's so cool to, yeah. Uh, this is the first time we've seen each other in person. First time we've spoken in person, although I had heard your voice. And then, yeah, you reassured me as well. You, you and Chris both were like, yeah, you're not the same Andy and we yeah. can still have a conversation. And I'm glad I reached out to do that because yeah, the story, I don't know. I, the story behind how people meet and where that goes, that's what this podcast apparently is about. And I didn't even know it in some ways. Yeah. And so I loved going through that with you. And I can, I can sense that you have sort of that same interest or curiosity. Oh, for sure. And I think what, what you said in starting this conversation is also a creator journey, you know, originality is such a thing as such a roadblock for a lot of creators, right? I'm, I'm a sketcher. You're a sketcher. You're a painter. I'm a painter. I'm a photographer, you know, and when we start to compare ourselves to another creator, that's such an easy thread to go down. And so it's a human, it's a human experience to worry that, you have something important to say. And it's one of the things that brought me to sketch, sketch poetic is finding that voice. I didn't have one. I thought I did. I was very outgoing, extroverted, but that doesn't mean I have an understanding of who I am mm. and what I have to say. And I have something to say. I didn't feel that till, till sketch poetic came to be. I think I'm sort of finding that similar thing right now too, that I've always been a good talker, a good, mm -hmm. like I could, have dialogue. I could, you know, I can play, I can pretend, but yeah. I realized that I sort of lost track of when I was actually pretending or when I was real and what I actually do have to say. Yes. And so it, it was hard for me to realize, oh yeah, I'm sort of, you know, uh, a bullshit artist sometimes like, yeah. or, uh, and I mean, that comes from my dad too. Cause he was just, you know, he's great at bullshit and it's fun. Right. Yeah. Like, now another word for that in the business world, which is where I came from is imposter syndrome. It's right. the most common syndrome men and women face. And it's this idea that we're projecting up an identity that isn't really ours, or that we're really good at projecting something that people see as us, but really it's just a, a veil. Uh, so yeah, we all struggle with it. This is the human experience. We're all, we all struggle with the same thing. And that's the reason why I believe art is transformative. It is going to change the world because at the base core of it, to your point earlier, is play and curiosity which is the, I think the thread that connects us both whenever we speak is we're curious, like how, who is Andy Green? What's he about? You know, he's saying, <laughs> this, he's saying this, but I'm feeling this, you know, let's, let's get to the heart of it. Can we, can we, can we be present and be, can, can we be direct? Because directness is not always welcomed, right? So a lot of people use that ability to project and protect because they don't want you to go deeper. <laughs> they don't want you to ask those questions. So they put it out there in the hopes that you won't invest Getting to know. I, I totally agree. And that's totally like, uh, you know, I think some hosts or some even things like want to ask you questions. So I don't have to be on the burden, like, tell me everything. And yeah. then I, you don't need to know about me. So yeah, like, uh, hold me to that. Uh, oh. we can see, uh, whatever you want to know about me, I will try to, uh, help uh, under I I mean, that's why yeah. skeleton in the closet at the end of this then we're done <laughs> <laughs> yeah you do have a view of the closet right here uh right now it's, it's just a mirror we're okay yeah. we'll see but yeah I, I like to start every episode with the same question to sort of ground us in in the moment which is something I always struggle with mm -hmm. uh how are you feeling in this moment it's sure. almost like you knew I was going to answer this the way you let it I feel grounded yet excited and those energies can be very um there could be tension between the two mm. so to allow myself to feel grounded in this moment because i've been in back-to-back -back meetings prior to this podcast and i took 15 minutes 
to be present with you because I needed to just wind my mind down. And so that's where the excitement is. I'm anticipating the conversation. At the same time, I want to make sure my mind isn't filled with all the things that I have to do after this conversation. So grounded groundedness is really just being present, just being in the moment, which I have struggled with my entire life. So the fact that I feel that is a good sign. <laughs> that and, and I was going to ask you sort of how, because it is a struggle for me too, and how do you do that? But it sounds like the answer might've been that in that 15 minutes of sort of taking a, the, a segue basically between work mind and we're, 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 we're being play mind right now. That's what we're trying to be. Yeah. Absolutely. It's the pause. It's the word that I use. I, I just needed to pause for a second. It could be a minute. The thing is, time is such an interesting construct. Sometimes it takes me a minute to, to pause. Sometimes it takes me an hour, uh, depending on what I'm trying to pause in. And so in this particular case, I just wanted my mind to slow down, my body to regulate so that I could have a conversation that wasn't um, trying to keep, maintain the pace in which I was moving just an hour ago. Right. So that's really it. It's a lot of uh, mind-body connection, which is really why Sketch Poetic changed my life. Is my entire life I was not really connected to my body. I know that sounds really weird for a lot of people, or maybe it doesn't. Because I'm noticing more and more people actually can relate to that. So I was very disconnected to my body just to move through life and get through things. Right, because we're sort of in work brain of like it's a to-do list that we have to get through, and and I have all these things I want to say to you. I have to say them now, and I'm holding them here instead of listening to you, and then I'm not in the moment at all. And and yeah, uh, I think just starting yoga was really hard for me, but that showed me how far I was from my body in a way, or like yes. oh, this relationship. It was like a a friend that I had stopped talking to. You know, that's a great an analogy. I love that. It's and it's sort of humbling and hard to be like, oh, I can't, I can't talk to you in the same way that I used to, you know. Uh, how how old was that? Can I ask a funny question? How old was your like when you were thinking about like the other identity or the other? How old was that person in your mind, or do you, did you have an age? Ooh, of like who I was trying to connect to when I'm in yoga. That's a good question. I think a lot of times, especially recently, the yoga is before I play softball, which is the adult version of baseball and, softball. and baseball for me was, I think, middle school and, and that sort of puberty mm. time the, yeah. the really complicated, all the fear came during that time. So yeah. I sort of am trying to reach the me before all that happened, I think. Love it. And it's, you know, comes and goes, uh, but yeah, I'm getting better. That's what the practice is, right? It's not surprising that you chose that age. That's the age I speak to a lot is the 15 year old, the 11 year old. Yes. Yeah. And I know, I mean, you sort of, when you're writing about your work, which I find just as meaningful as your work itself, I mean, probably cause I am a writer. So I'm just like, that's how my brain processes better. But like you, it, it does feel like you're sort of, you're drawing to your, yourself, you're, you're finding the kid again within you. Right. Absolutely. No, it's true. It's an inner journey. And, you know, I know people talk about the inner child and the idea of that in the spiritual realm, but also in psychology about the inner child work world. But for me, I think it was just remembering. It was a remembrance. You know, one of the things that I've always said, Andy, that I think has changed my life is when we think of transformation. So I was in the corporate space for 20 years and transformation always looked like this 
like entity becoming bigger than itself, grander, more impact, more value. So it's always transformation being like a butterfly. You know, you turn from a caterpillar. What has what transformation means to me is that it's a coming home. It's the undoing. It's the unconditioning. That the that the return back to self. So when I talk about my inner child, it was just remembering who I always have been. And that's mm. the difference between transformation of how I used to think of it versus the transformation of how I see it today. And what I hope to bring to, to the world with my book is that you don't need to be a better or bigger version of yourself. You just need to remember who you have always been. It's just that life has gotten in the way. Adulting has gotten in the way. Conditioning has gotten in the way. And we've just, oh my God, we've got lost in the noise of the world. And so, so coming back to that silence, coming back to that sense of self, that's the transformation. That's the, the part that I think a lot of people have forgotten. I feel that so much. Uh, and uh, sort of even emotionally uh, that I think, and, and even the idea that we put it into sort of a transformation sometimes is a block, right? Because it's yeah. so much harder for me. I'm not turning into a butterfly anytime soon, right. even though it feels like I fucking should. Uh, yeah, but, exactly. But it, yeah, it is just sort of like remembering what I like about myself, remembering the things that haven't changed, even though it feels like they have, uh, or yeah. the things that I hold on to. And, uh, and yeah, they tend to be very primal, you know, things that I, but I was just, uh, my mom sent me a, like a preschool assessment thing that I posted. And it was like from the preschool teacher was describing who I was. And those were all me. Like it could have been written today. Yeah. So, and that was reassuring. It's, it, it's, it actually echoes exactly what you're saying. <laughs> well, yeah. And then the other part of the transformation, and you, you touched on this earlier with the doing is I was a doer. I was busy achievement, academic, you know, everything was about setting goals, time management, hitting, you know, hitting something like there's a finish line at the end of the tunnel. Right. And the problem and challenge with a mindset like that, and I've always been a growth mindset and orientation. So I, I will always continue to be a growth oriented person, but there's a difference between growing versus doing and trying to run a race to the finish line to get to the end, you know, the end game. And part of it is forgetting how to play and forgetting how what brought you there in the first place. So if we're so busy trying to get somewhere and we forget to ask ourselves why we're doing it, we just we're just hitting, we're just basically running a, a race that isn't even ours anymore. You know, we it's we're on autopilot. And so yeah, I I really do believe this conversation around curiosity is honestly the right, I think it's the grounding thing that you and I both share. We both believe in curiosity. Curiosity kills kills um, perfectionism. Curiosity for me kills judgment. Because if you can go into a situation or a scenario, being curious about it, there's no room for those things. Because it won't let you, because you're too busy asking questions or too busy being like mining the field of like what's underneath that stuff that they're trying to say versus you trying to get to, to the next point of the, in that conversation or trying to make your point or trying to be right or trying to be just. And so that's the shift. It's, I used to sit on that side. You know, I'd be having a conversation with you right now and I'd probably be five minutes, 10 minutes ahead of you. Not because <laughs> I couldn't, yeah, for the reason is I couldn't be present. I right. was too busy wanting to make sure that I was getting my point across or too busy trying to ensure that you like me. Right. I, 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 same, <laughs> I same thing for me. It's like, Ooh, I have something really cool to say. I like that. I think, and it's like, Oh, 
No, and I don't trust myself to remember it. That's the thing. And I have a lot of uh, I have a lot of trust issues with people, but mostly myself. And and, and that breach of trust is is sort of I think what took me so long to sort of get to where I am now is trusting myself again. I think that's what your practice is about too. Yeah, that's uh, and the you to say. Yeah. Well, I mean, every day you have to show up and that is showing yourself, right? That you're here and you're trustworthy. You're not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, trusting uh, yourself is much harder than trusting others. Yes. Yeah. Same with forgiveness uh, too. Uh, Ooh, that's the heavy one. I, yeah, I have to tail on that one. Forgiveness, that word is so loaded. That That is where I was feeling coming into it is that, that I had a weekend where it was like, ooh, I don't, I don't know if I can forgive myself about something yeah. it, like, and, and it was an old thing that I yeah. sort of, and, and, but I'm, I realized that I am stronger now. And that is why it like it, the storm is my own making that yeah. I, I even sort of sketched out how I was feeling. So I was oh, like, I, I, was like I sort of felt like, okay, I'm like a plant in bloom or I was like, I'm about to bloom, but then there's a storm coming one that's deserved in one of my own creation. And mm-hmm. I can either, you know, shrink back into the ground and hide in the fear of this storm, or, you know, I guess try and grow up to meet it or, or, or sort of accept the feel, feel the storm. Uh, yeah. and, and that, that shift in thinking is, is revolutionary for me. Like, I, I don't like that's new. Uh, yeah. I don't know exactly how that's happened, but therapy and just sort of saying more positive things to myself, I think is, is that. Yeah. You tuned into a lot based on my work because forgiveness is a thread that goes through my entire journey. And I'll share more of why when you're ready, if you want to speak about it now, but you are confronted with a lot of things when you sketch to go inward, when you're sketching through what you go through, you get to see parts of yourself. You don't want to see Mm. parts of yourself that you may feel ashamed to see. And part of the healing journey is to look at those things and not feel shame, but also understand that you did it to either protect yourself or to survive and survival was my, my main reason. Like trauma is a huge part of my journey. It's why I'm a mental health advocate and creative creativity to me is our birthright. It is the thing that we are born to do. And whether that's singing, dancing, playing music, you know, voice art there, we just all have the ability to create and people, even that those people that believe they can't be creative, you know, a lot of those people, that's the first thing they say in my workshops, I'm not creative. I'm like, you are, you're creating in the margins of your life every day, whether or not, you know, it, it's just that you don't call it that. Right. It, you know, it feels like we reserve creator for yes, very obvious yes. art stuff, but like, yeah. you know, someone who makes a cabinet, someone who does, I mean, there it's, I think it's anything that you're passionate about that Absolutely. is like that, that put you, you put yourself into it. That's art. That's what I think. Um, and uh, yeah, I think, I mean, we brought up forgiveness and it, it, it made us both exhale. So I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe we should play there. Um, yeah, and so you said that that like is a big thing that you're confronting every day. And for me, let me see what my, cause I mean, we already established that it's easier to forgive others than ourselves, or at least trust others. I think it's the same for forgiveness, right? I think trust and forgiveness are, that's interesting. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, you I'm a lover of words. And words have meaning. And I do believe that we tend to interchange things. So trust and forgiveness, very different um, ideas or paradigms. However, there's definitely a connection. Um, 
for me, self-trust and blinding trust other blind trusting, blindly trusting others were two sides of myself. So I would blindly trust people naively for my own reasons. But then when it came to me, I didn't trust that. So that's the reason I was such a people pleaser and perfectionist because I didn't trust that I was enough for anything, whether I was enough in work or as a daughter or as a wife or as a mother. And so I would constantly try to achieve a higher rung, a version of myself. So that's the funny part is there's this identity we have of who we think we should be that is based on something. And it's based on our upbringing. It's based on society. It's based on a lot of things. And what that tells me, and this is the reason why trust and forgiveness is oftentimes that's all external. So if we define ourselves by our external world, that's why it's so much easier to trust others or forgive others because it's all external. It's all outside of you. But then the moment you have to go inward and, and, and have those conversations with yourself, like Sheila, when you were 11 and this, this happened and you didn't say no, or you didn't stop that thing from happening. Why do you feel guilt and anger and shame when the reality is at 11? Could you have said that? You know, and so the forgiveness is not just the forgiving of the act or the thing that happened to you. It's forgiving this idea that you could have done something different because the Mm. reality is our brain is so powerful. Our mind is so powerful. And that's why trauma is such an important part of the conversation is because I had such a a back-to-back trauma from the ages of four to 15, I often didn't realize I was in fight, flight, freeze mode all the time. (laughs) So I was disconnecting and disassociating from my body so much, Andy. I don't even think I even realized it until I started to educate myself on the the way our body and minds are connected. Our brain is a powerful, powerful tool. It's just that we don't realize how much it overpowers us as well. And I mean, it's doing that to protect you too, right? Like it's, it's that, like you mentioned survival as part of the key thing that you were trying to do. And, and, and I also was just sort of struck by the, what the connection between the internal and external, how, you know, we take what is external so much easier than when we have to make decisions about ourselves or just decisions in our life. And I think we see that so many times where people, it's so much easier to be told what to do. You know, like we, we want there to be a path. We want there to be a road to follow. And, you know, and often that is why, you know, we have to get the house, we have to get married, we have to have kids and and none of those are bad things on their surface or anything like that. But it it is sort of, it feels like there's a template. And if I'm not following this, then, uh, and that, and that again is a societal expectation or this sort of dream version of my life that isn't, is it even what I want? I don't know. Uh, yeah. If I if I don't think about it, if I'm still too busy, you know, taking the job I don't want so I can buy the house that I need, uh, yeah. you know, whatever it is. I don't know if any of that makes sense. No, but it yeah. did. Actually, as you were talking, something intuitively came up for me to bring up is our eyes. So we, we talked about trust and forgiveness, right? So when, when you're a child and you see something, but the actions and response is it betrays what you see. So someone you love does something that is not loving. Your eyes and the action don't match. So you distrust what you see. Mm. And and in creation, yeah. So this is so you can see why sketching is so powerful. Because what it did for me is as I sketched every day, I started to learn to trust that every mark made had an intention. It, it couldn't be undone. It existed for a reason. It could never be reversed, which is why I use a pen, not a pencil. Because, uh-huh. you know, people with, with uh, tendencies that I did when I first started, with, which is perfectionism, 
it would have been easy for me to erase because I would have got caught up in how it looked, right? And that's the reason why the creative journey is so powerful because what it did is it allowed me to confront a lot of things in my life and the paper was just a metaphor. So I've often believed my sketches or my art is a metaphor for my life. So there's nothing happening on paper, Andy, that isn't happening in my life. If I'm trying to erase something, it's because I there's a part, part of my life I, I want to undo. If I'm trying to perfect something, there's something in my life I want to perfect. If, if I'm struggling with an audience in mind, my Instagram followers, that means that I'm in my, something in my life is showing up where I'm too concerned with other people's thoughts. Mm. And that's how I connect with my art. It's much deeper. It's not just I'm sketching this abstract piece. Uh, what I do is I pay attention to what's coming up when I sketch and then I connect it to how is it showing up in my life. That's why it's so powerful. Yeah. Wow. Uh, that's so cool. Like I'm trying to like, so the idea of, I mean, cause obviously this is a skill that you built because yeah. like, I, I'm imagining the first time you did the sketch, were you able to just let every mark go? No, uh, yeah. no, no, no. I love that you said that. The reason I'm writing a book, there's other spiritual divine reasons, but the main reason I'm writing a book is I can provide a shortcut to a lot of people to, to have to learn what I did over a period of time. So my, my book is really not only sketch prompts, but it's connecting the emotion, the insights and the rumination that happens that happened organically for me. It connect, I basically started to connect the dots over time, but I didn't go into it that way. So what now, what I'm trying to seed in people as they do the practice and understand that this isn't just sketching, it isn't an art class, that if you are to pay attention, it's exactly what I just said, then you will actually be able to connect with the creation beyond the marks that are being made. So no, the answer to your question, absolutely not. My first sketches were more like doodles and they were intentionally, so just to give you a quick background on why I did it, I was struggling with severe anxiety flying. Um, I got to a point where I didn't even want to get on the plane and I would have to get wasted just to get on the plane. And then I had carry these little alcohol bottles. And I can understand and have a lot of empathy with people that have alcohol addiction or any addiction because I get it. You're trying to numb yourself to a point where you don't feel anything. And that's what I was doing. I was also smart enough to know it was never about the flying. I knew that deep down, but I was so afraid, Andy, to confront the stuff that I knew I was pushing down my entire life. So I kept on running away from it. But it just got to a point where I couldn't run away from it anymore. And I hit every wall you could in my life that you could work. I was hitting a wall at work. In my, you know, money financially, I was hitting a wall, like all the th- ways that you could hit a wall, I was doing that. And so I finally just decided to confront it. And, and that's kind of how Sketch Poetics started off. Tear down the walls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For literally and figuratively, yes. Yeah. What, what, I was just going to ask you, this is slightly tangential, but I just remembered and I was curious, what was your corporate job bef- that, huh. that, like, before you had sort of this, I guess, Oh, awakening. <laughs> I was going to say awakening, but I, I was like, that seems slightly cliche, but yeah. It is cliche, but it's the truth. Yeah. It's cliche. And and listen, if people eye roll at that, it's because uh, the idea that somebody, for me, awakening isn't just a spiritual term. I, I was just asleep at the wheel. You know, mm-hmm. I was just asleep at the wheel. My life was great. And the, my definition of success was very different. So yeah, I was in the, my background is digital. Um, I've been in the agency consulting space. I worked for digital agencies doing websites and mobile apps. Um, and then I kind of transformed more into a consultant working with executives um, and transforming their businesses. But this is the funny part. I think I've always been born to, to do sketch poetic because 
even when I was talking to C-level executives about their companies and growing, I always got to the heart of the conversation. Like I'd want to get to know them and understand because I really believed in my heart of hearts that there's nothing showing up outside of yourself that isn't showing up inside. So if I found a C-level person struggling to grow a business or connect with an audience, I wanted to understand where, where that was showing up for them. So I would, I would often go deep and it would, I often felt like a therapist a lot of times. So, right. um, and the second part to my job is I, I used to do a ton of workshops. So I do facilitating. So when I started sketching daily and seeing how it was helping me and helping me get grounded and become still, which is something I never thought I could do. I'm like, oh my God, do people know how to do this? <laughs> so I started hosting workshops before the pandemic in person. And then the pandemic hit and I just started doing virtual workshops. And that's where I started to get into the global community because that's obviously not possible in the if you're doing it in person unless somebody flies in. So I was able to see the connections, especially going through a pandemic, which we were all going through, how em emotions are the thing that connects us all. We feel them, we express them very similarly, regardless of culture, race, gender, socioeconomic background, you know, sexual identity. When we feel something, we feel it and we express it and it's very human. And that's why art and stories are the, the best way to sort of get that because that's where the other ways are sort of preaching or telling you how to feel, right? Yeah, um, yeah that's uh, a great point. And I was going to, well, hey, I was going to say, you sound like a great consultant, uh, you know, going <laughs> to trying to figure out, you know, going personal with these businesses, I'm sure was like uncomfortable for them, but like, I'm sure they learned a lot and that's really cool. That's the funny part. You would think it's interesting if you have an ear, listening ear, people, people tell you everything. That's true. Yeah. I've, I've experienced that too, I guess. Yeah. I'll, I'll, if you care about what they say, they'll just keep talking. That's, That's the key. If you yeah. care about what they say. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I know a lot of times I can pretend that I care and it still works. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah. <laughs> in, in that scenario, maybe that would have been me, but I wanted to circle back to sort of that trust forgiveness link, because I feel like is something really cool happening in the, in the fact that every mark that you're making on the paper, you are, is an act of trust because now once you've learned, so you're trusting this and it's also in doing so is an act of forgiveness of yourself. Yes. And I think that connection is just, I don't know. I just wanted to like highlight that. And then yeah, let's, let's go to that because I can feel that, you know, I feel like we have such a great um, energy around that conversation. There's one more word I would put into that surrender. Mm. surrender was the conduit to trust and forgiveness for me. So that if there was, if trust and forgiveness was the cycle or the synergy, surrender was the path to it. Oh, you know, I'll give you a great example. And if I went into every sketch with an image in mind, okay, I'll give you, you know, just because the audience that is listening may not know what I do. I sketch to release emotion. I sketch to express emotion. I sketch to feel emotion. So when I sit down in front of my sketchbook, and I've been doing this for over 1500 days straight, and I don't always post it. So just know that it's something that I, I, I hold secret. I ask myself, I do two things beforehand. I do a body scan to see how my body's doing, feeling whether there's aches and pains, if there's energy that's stuck and all of that fun stuff, have a headache, you know, am I thirsty, all of that. And then I ask myself a simple question. How am I feeling? There's three different responses to that question. I either feel X, I feel a lot of different things, like multiple things, or I have no freaking idea how I'm feeling, right? That would be mine, I think. Yeah, right? Yeah. And that's okay. 
I have no idea how I'm feeling. And then I sketch, but here's the key. And this is why it's not a drawing class, my book or what I'm trying to do is if I said, I feel peaceful right now. Right. And somebody doesn't understand what I do. They might think peace equals dove peace equals the peace sign. That's not what I do. I say, I feel really peaceful right now. What does that feel like? And mm -hmm. I think of myself as a dancer or a musician, a free freestyle rapper, somebody that's baking is peaceful. Somebody that's moving really fast or are they moving slow? Are they like vibrating high or are they vibrating low? And I, I think of it as energy. And so when I'm sketching and I'm putting pen on paper, I'm mimicking the feeling of peace. So anxiety was mine. So my early sketches were very fast very repetitive because that's how anxiety showed up for me. Mm. It was very frenetic. So that's why I said it felt more like doodles because I was just like, okay. And interestingly, nobody taught me this. It's just something that I decided to do. Like, okay, I'm feeling anxious today. So let's just show me what anxiety looks like. And what ended up happening, Andy, is that I started to see how it looked. So it gave my emotions permission to be seen outside of myself. And I'm like, oh, that's what it looks like. And so, of course, I'm thinking, I don't want to look like that. If that's how it looks on paper, I can't imagine how I'm showing up to the world. <laughs> like, that's, this is how my mind was working. Like, oh, I wouldn't want to be around this type of person. Um, but it was more of a jovial, playful thing. And that's what I love about what you said. I didn't feel shame. I felt like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. Like, I was really thinking about it's almost like the act of play allows you to be kinder to yourself. Have yeah, more compassion. You, you get, end up having more compassion because you realize, oh my God, this is hilarious when you think about it. Like, this is how I'm showing up to the world. You're able to laugh at yourself. And, and that's yeah. like a really powerful gift uh, to not take yourself so seriously that I struggle with. And it's funny because I did, I looked at your first sketch and what you wrote about it. And I did see so what I saw was a, like the circular thing that you were talking about and that it was sort of wound up. It felt yes. like there was a lot of energy that was tight but it was still playful. I did sort of see like, this could be like underwater and like was sort of ethereal in, a, in another way where it wasn't just like, I don't know, like a person holding themselves would have been just like, it, it might've been like that, but it was sort of a playful uh, thing. And so, yeah, I totally saw that and uh, just appreciated it. Cause yeah, it, it is. And I think that's what my writing is too. Like what I'm preoccupied with is memory and forgiveness and, you know, forgiveness, forgiveness of self and, and sort of how memories scare me, whether like, cause it's so fallible. And when I did drink to excess, I, and don't remember what I could have done haunts me, uh, or, or what exactly. And then, and then personal the, question like around yeah. that around, because I think it's important to the conversation and I don't know how I would answer it either. So just bear that in mind. Why do you think forgiveness matters? I mean, I, not that to put a direction on it, but it sort of feels like without forgiveness, there's no way forward. You're sort of like into a, it's the walls again. And I think it's a great question. I think forgiveness matters because it shows that mistakes aren't deal breakers or aren't the end of anyone's story. They shouldn't be. Um, and I mean, I know there are bigger mistakes than others, but I have to believe that we can all, we need to, we, the whole point of being here, I think is to learn from them, right. Rather than, oh, I fucked up and I can't forgive myself. I deserve to, you know, be miserable. And that's, yeah. I think, I don't think I knew that's what I, what I, where I was. Mm -hmm. uh, I was very, I was, I think I was sort of caught in whatever the, the race was in a way. Yeah. Um, 
or just like not wanting to grow up and being like, oh, the world doesn't accept me as, you know, I'm a genius or whatever it is. But uh, but it was more just like, I, I'm miserable and I don't know what to do. But anyway, what why do you think for like... No, so it's you. interesting. Yeah. That, it's interesting. I'm going to answer that question, but I loved it the way you answered it because part of the evolution, because it's it's all connected to the conversation we just had, right? You you looked at my first sketches and you saw the energy and the, the reflection. What ended up happening is what we were about to talk about is as I started to sketch, I would ask myself these questions. Why does forgiveness matter as an example? And then you said, you know, it's like a road and a wall. So that's what I would draw. That's what I would sketch is this idea of the answer. So I'm like, oh, it feels like a wall. And so what I was doing was sketching through these thoughts. So it's not as if I, I went into it and saw a wall and a path. It's as I was answering the question, I let myself just, it's almost like my hands were moving to my thoughts in a stream, a current. And that's the thing that I, I feel like is a huge part of the transformation and healing, Andy, is oftentimes, and I know I can only speak for myself here, but I think this will resonate is that we are defined by our emotions. We are defined by our actions. We're defined by all these things when really they're all transient. You know, who we are is different than who we are going to be tomorrow. How we feel at this moment is going to be different. Yet we put such a, a permanence to it. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I am this trauma. I am this moment. Like this weekend you just had, you are not that weekend. Yet you want to beat yourself up because it's a pattern you've seen over and over again. And so right. that's, that's the reason why this is such a powerful conversation. So for me, if I had to answer that question of why forgiveness matters, I love what you had to say. I, for me, forgiveness is compassion for self. Forgiveness is, a, is seeing your wounds and your pain and your suffering in the eyes of another and that realizing that perhaps you couldn't have done anything differently because you were trying to survive, that we're human and that... Ultimately, if you can see that, I, I, I think the biggest lesson I've learned from Sketch Poetic is how much we re- don't realize how much we are, and I know this sounds funny, how human we are in terms of our physical bodies. Like we are so in our heads all the time, which is very ethereal. We don't see how our brains fire. We don't see how our thoughts are connected. It's all happening in this ether, right? Yet, how we show up in the world is defined by our physical selves. So it's really, to me, ironic and attention in how we look at the world world through our mind, yet we are pretty much judged and perceived through physical things. So it's this, it's this tension of, you know, you get where I'm, where I'm going, a spirit, uh, basically it's the spirit versus the, the, the human vessel. And so that's the reason why I think forgiveness matters because oftentimes Forgiving ourselves is in, is an experience of looking how how fallible we are as human beings. We're just not. We're never going to be perfect. We, yeah. So that's it's it's a lot of self compassion, a lot of um, ruminating on just how limited we are as human beings to go beyond what we can do in the moment because you know trauma is trauma. It, it limits us in many ways. Sheila, you, uh, each time you talk, I have like. It's just like my brain's exploding. There's like 18 <laughs> different things I want to say. And I'm like, no, I have to. I'm still listening. I'm still here. Uh, so we're That's testing that. Thing. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, we're testing that mo- being in the moment uh, and also testing the trust of like, oh, it'll come back to me. And, yes. and one of the things that struck me was what you were saying about 
how we define ourselves, like in sort of a limited way of like, oh, t- this weekend is horrible. That means my whole life is horrible and all these different things. And it made me think of uh, Spanish, the, uh, the language, and that they have two different verbs verbs for to be. Whereas in, in English, it's just, I'm sad, I'm happy. And it sort of feels final. Whereas they have a uh, estar and ser. And ser is a sort of a more like what I am boiled down like a more permanent state of being. And then a star is sort of a more temporary, temporary state. And I think that's a very powerful and, and smart thing that they have two different verbs to express what English says is only one. Yes. And I think that can be confusing. And I, I, I'm very be- beginning in my Spanish journey, but like, to me, I, I was just fascinated by that. Well, I love, I love that when we can converse that you have 10 million things in your mind because that's what happens to me too, but not because I'm trying to get ahead. Now it's because what you're saying or what we're saying to each other is connecting us to the greater consciousness. Let's talk about that. Hmm. There's so much to sketching that has profoundly changed my life. As I mentioned, I was in the business world, right? So this isn't my world. What happened is I got more curious, like, holy crap, (laughs) I've never been this still in my life. I've never been this silent in my life, this quiet. What the hell is going on, right? I was just curious. I was curious. So I started looking at neuroscience and psychology and body, you know, how your body works. And so the other big part of why Sketch Poetics changed my life is that the way my mind is working when I'm sketching is this. When I'm doing it purposefully, it's with the intention of bringing my conscious to my subconscious and unconscious. So the idea is, okay, I'm feeling, I'm just going to just use anxious because it's the one thing, one emotion that we've been talking about. I'm feeling anxious right now. My conscious mind thinks it's anxious because of the COVID. Like my conscious mind believes it's COVID, right? Or my conscious mind believes I'm anxious because I'm about to do a pitch at, at my job. Or it has all these reasons why it thinks it's anxious. But the invitation as I'm sketching is, what is my subconscious really saying? What is my unconscious really saying and allowing that to come through because what ends up happening is as I'm sketching, I get into what I call the Zen, uh, not the Zen, the flow state, which mm-hmm. you hear about the, the meditate meditative state is another word for it. So when you get in the flow state, you can just sit there and it's healing, right? It feels good to just be in flow. What I try to do, and it's not every sketch every now and then it, I, it's just truly just a meditative act. I will get into a place where my unconscious is bringing up stuff. And it's saying, okay, you went into it with this idea of expressing anxiety, but guess what? This, this memory of came about that happened two weeks ago or, you know, my childhood. And I don't take that in the past. It would have just been a thought, but now I'm like, oh, that's interesting. So, so that's really it is our mind wants us to tap into our subconscious more and unconscious, but we're so in the conscious state We're we're always in the conscious field and sketching what it's done for me. And I think you see it in my sketches, Andy, and the way you introduced me is that there's something more beyond the lines that you're seeing. Right. It feels like you're sort of translating your pain, you know, like like the pen is the, the medium or, or, and and you're not even sort of in control of it at at your best. Yeah. You're not. And, and, and that zone feeling is, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've had it in sports. I've had it in writing. And you chase it, you chase it and it feels like you need to have it, but it's like, most of it is, you're just sort of like wanting it to come. And then of course it's not going to come. You sort of just have to start moving the pen. And, and that is the trick. And I think my anxiety comes from worrying about the outcome and not the process. And that's something that you preach. That's like one of your mantras, you know, it's, and that's the whole beauty of it is that it's a, 
a daily process, a daily practice. And that, you know, why I would be anxious about our conversation, our podcast, every, you know, or whatever. It's because I'm like, oh, I want it to be good. I want it to be this. It needs to be this. Uh, and then I'm like, wait, why am I not just like enjoying and trusting that we'll have something to say or that, you know, just, I mean, trusting myself, trusting you and also just going with the flow rather than, yeah. And, and I think that's expectation is where my anxious mind is, is fueled from. I love that. Uh, can I just say, I don't love that you're anxious, but (laughs) (laughs) I just realized when I said, I love that. Um, can I just share something? One of my healing journeys that I, I hope connects with you and helps with yours where I've landed again, I've been doing this for close to five years where I've landed with my anxiety and I still have it. So it's not something that's why I say healing ING not healed is I spent my entire life doing exactly what you've been talking about, predicting the outcomes or guaranteeing outcomes in my head, uh, perfectionism, people pleasing. If, If people like me, this will happen. And where all of it stems from, Andy, is one thing, safety. Hmm. I didn't ever feel safe as a kid. Um, Bullying, I had an alcoholic father, a lot of volatility in the home, uncertainty, immigrated twice, like every different things, types of different types of abuses. And I don't share that to say, you know, trauma is this, this is my trauma and this is why this is my story. Actually, I'm sharing it for a different reason is that if you have an experience where you're basically thinking this is my issues, right? Basically we have a list of things we think we need to improve on, right? Perfectionism. In your case, you were like expectations being in the moment, very similar, by the way, our list. (laughs) But if you look at the root of the why you do it, for me, it was to guarantee safety because I never felt safe. But here's the interesting part of my healing journey. When I started to go inward, I realized there's nothing I can do. I could be the best person. I could be the most like the most, uh, what's that word, you know, giving and altruistic person is the word I was thinking, but an earthquake could hit right now and I could die. (laughs) And I'm saying that as a very severe thing as that I can try to do everything I can out here to guarantee safety when the reality is safety can never be measured in an external way. All I could do was say to myself, no matter what happens outside of me, I'm going to feel safe within. That's my journey. And when that happens, I don't really care what other people think of me anymore the way I used to. I don't really want to go ahead of the conversation because I'm so in the moment to think I'm supposed to learn something from this moment. And so because I feel safe in within. And so where I continue to be with my healing journey and where I continue to sketch is is trying to continue to feel that inner and they call it inner peace. There's so many different words for it. Inner peace that alignment of purpose in your life, your soul's purpose, the connection to the greater good. There's all different ways people describe it. I call it safety because that's what it means to me. It's the only time I've ever, ever felt safe. And that is huge for me, for somebody that's had so much trauma in my life. So I share that with you because it's such a basic word, but when you're a child and you don't feel safe, you spend your entire adulthood looking for it, seeking Mm -hmm. it in your relationships and your jobs. And it is so basic, yet it's so fundamentally the hardest thing to find. So I just wanted to share that with you because it is truly one of the biggest. Yeah, thank you for sharing. And and it made me think that sort of in the the previous manifestation of safety, it was actually sort of about control, right? Yes. Oh yeah, I was controlling. Trying to control everything around you, and that would make you safe. But but then you realized 
you can't control everything. Like with flying is the, the most obvious example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you said control. I forgot that. That's I was I have always struggled with being in control. I think I think that's sort of why alcohol was tempting to me and I almost fell all the way in is because it was like the only way I w- allowed myself to lose control and and sort of could be different me, you know, get mm-hmm. out of my comfort zone. Yeah. And it was that was literally intoxicating. And mm-hmm. so but yeah, like it, but then when I lost control, that's the greatest fear and I I'm still working on those times where I did lose control and I, and I'm not Andy that those, that's what that means to me. It's like, literally that is not me, but it's my body, um, or whatever it is. Um, but I was thinking again about safety and you mentioned like, you know, that your childhood was, didn't have a lot of it, but I wanted to ask, you know, did you find solace in art or other things when you were a kid, was there a safe place that you yes. went to? Thank you for asking that. And it's a great way to kind of more full circle this conversation. So when I finally decided to see a therapist um, for my flying, that's the only reason I did it. I had mental health stigmas. Like in the in my culture, you don't go see a therapist. That's for other people. <laughs> it's not something. <laughs> right. Nobody talks about their emotions. Come on, toughen up, kid. That's the mentality we had. So right. If you're I, in therapy, there's something wrong with you. Right. So because I was seeing it to overcome my flying, I put that in quotes, it didn't, it, it was almost like, oh, it's like a nice step to seeing a therapist. But anyway, mm. deep down I knew it wasn't, but in the conversation with her, which was incredible, she, you know, she's, she would describe anxiety to me in a beautiful way. She basically said anxiety is energy in your body. You're not releasing. And that energy is caused by emotions. You're not expressing. And I think I've always, I tell that to everyone that I speak to. That's a really beautiful way to think about the physical manifestation of anxiety. Her next question was this, do you remember, or is there something that you can do that allows you to feel what you're feeling? And I said, oh my God, I used to draw and paint when I was a kid is what I said. She goes, have you tried doing that again? Like, yeah, I do it from time to time. I remember walking out of that therapist's office and it was six months later before I fully committed to doing it daily. But I thought, oh, that's an interesting idea. I never thought to sketch or create to release my emotions. It just never dawned on me to think of it in that paradigm, right? So then I was in the you know heat of my career. I was a managing director of an innovation agency, so I couldn't fit it into my life at that time. So in that moment, six months later, I committed to quitting that job, finding another job where I could still add value and create impact, but still be able to... to create a world around this daily sketching, which is where I got mm. to Verve. So I basically said, I can't come in until this time. So I'm going to sketch. Like I told my job, this is what I'm doing. It was so beautiful because I never showed up this way before. And they just thought, well, that's funny. Um, and I just said, <laughs> yep, I'm going to be at this coffee shop from this time. I'll be in at this time. And I held that time sacred, Andy. I held that time sacred. And so people coming into that coffee shop would watch me. And I think the reason it was very, it was magnetic for a lot of people like Christ- Christopher, who you spoke about, is I held my space so sacred and I had such reverence around it. I think that attracted a lot of people. It wasn't that fact that I was just sketching at a coffee shop. I truly was going through something and I was allowing people to watch it happen live and publicly. That's really interesting. There's almost, I mean, it's not a performance because I don't think no, you it like no, that, but like you're open, you're sharing it. You're like, I didn't even know I was doing it. Just, it was very unconscious. Right. Yeah. 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 That's uh, what, how do you make it a sacred space? What I just yeah. said. I held, I, I held the act of what I was doing as sacred. Okay. So it's just uh, in your mind. Yeah. Yeah. So when I do workshops, it's, I'm glad you asked this question. It's so important. 
when when I do my workshops, I say, hold this practice sacred. And here's how you can do it. The place that you go, hold that sacred. So for me, it was a coffee shop. For you, it could be the corner of your house. It could be the garden. It could be whatever. Hold the time sacred if you can. Pandemic really effed that up for all of us. <laughs> um, but I did it every morning. So morning would, you know, it's having some sort of time. That also is a way to hold a sacred. It could be as simple as a scene. Like every time I do it, I have a cup of coffee or there's my favorite tchotchke, whatever. So, but the idea is it's not just mindset. It's this, I'm about to do this and it feels sacred. It's it, in ritual is a bit of an overstep. This is a negative connotation to ritual, but the idea is holding it to, to this reverence. Like I'm not doing it just to sketch that I'm doing it because something is going to happen. That's going to help me be a better or heal more heal myself. And so that's the energy in which I carried it. Mm. So I, I wanted to make sure my physical context um, mimic that. Yeah. And, and it clearly did. And I, I like, you know, I mean, I think I, I know what you mean by ritual, but it does sort of feel like that the power of a routine too, routine, like all these yes. different routine things, is a good word. These, yeah. these things that help. And, and I think for so long, I saw structure as the enemy and, uh, and because it seems anathema to art or creation, but it was also like, I sort of expected stuff to just sort of pour out <laughs> and just happen. It was like, no, I, I need to sort of, it's sort of training yourself. It's, it's, it's practicing. Oh, it is. So you have that sacred space. And, and I think for me as a kid, I was going to answer what my safe space was. And it was my bedroom playing with toys mm. and, and, and in the bathtub as well. Like I would just be in the bath for like an hour and a half, uh, yeah. you know, just playing yeah. with the toys and I would create stories. Like it was, I mean, basically I'm Andy from toy story. Like that's what it was. And I would continue them. I would be, you know, building, writing seasons of shows in my head without knowing that's kind of what I was doing. Um, and I did your imagination, you were playing with your imagination, right? I think it's also how I processed, like I I was able to, you know, there's characters that I'm playing with. So there's a little bit of context of like, Oh, I know who, uh, you know, Batman is, but Mm -hmm. then I can put him and the things that I'm grappling with uh, like basically put that on onto these characters or these, you know, the, the animals that, uh, you know, cause like some animal is more obviously a villain or whatever it is. Cause I was a kid. So it was very basic, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, processing, I think like death, grief, love, uh, anger, you know, betrayal, all those different things that I was seeing in the world and, uh, you know, in TV too. And just sort of like, Oh, this, I, I, it was the, I only felt safe doing it by myself. I think I was never, it's why I was afraid of sports growing up because it was like, oh, I have to, how do I have to learn with other people? I, I hate learning in front of other people. I hate, I hate failing in front of other people. I hate failing in general, but it's yeah. like, it's, it's an embarrassed shame thing. If I can do that in private, that's yeah. much better. I, I'm always like, oh yeah, I need to learn pool by myself. And then I'll like be able to play pool with my friends. Yeah. I still haven't gotten there by the way, but I, you know, someday. <laughs> well, I love that we are saying that. And I think that's so cool that I'm picturing you and, you know, playing with your toys in the, in the bathtub. The reason I believe my purpose and mission is so powerful is I genuinely think that there is a, another wave of health and wellness that is happening. There's, you know, there's, we've had meditation, yoga, art as healing is important. And, and it's important because as children, we knew how to do it, but we didn't understand. Like a lot of times when we were kids, we did it to, to escape, right. To, to escape into our imagination, whether it's for good reasons or not so good reasons, we often did it to escape. Well, as, as adults, 
we encourage to do it to connect mm. to us because it's connecting back to it. But what if we we actually were taught this at a young age that, hey, guess what? You know, young girl or boy, if you create, you're not just creating to play and to be curious. You're, create, you're also creating to heal and to help you process any hurts and pains. And if you can connect to that, you're not just escaping your world, but you're connecting to your body. That's really what it's about is if we train ourselves to disconnect from our body much more than we realize. And, and the other day I, I did an event and I, I had pan painted a piano and I was sitting in the middle of this event in Beverly Hills, first major outing with a lot of people. And I caught myself rising above myself. Like, you know, that moment when you kind of see the world from, and I'm like, Oh, that's what it feels like to disconnect. And it's because I was feeling so overwhelmed with joy. It wasn't overwhelmed from trauma. I was feeling really overwhelmed with love and gratitude. And I literally, I literally felt myself pulling away from myself and it's my body disconnecting whenever it feels overwhelmed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. And I never, and I'm like, Oh, it's so interesting. My body's just so used to disconnecting whenever it's overwhelmed, but this was a good overwhelm, but it doesn't matter. The body just knows like, Oh, Sheila's feeling a lot right now. So let's help her. Right. (laughs) And so I had that moment and that was what five years into my sketch, almost five years into my sketching journey. And I'm only now realizing that I do it as well when I'm feeling joy, overwhelming joy. So these are the types of lessons that's been coming up. That's so powerful. Yeah. And I think I'm having similar lessons, like, cause this weekend was, you know, I had a panic attack and I'm not, that's not something I remember having, uh, you know, and, 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 but then it was like, felt like, oh, I've been here before, you know, it was one of those things. Um, but I was like, really like, okay, let's feel this. Let's go through it. And I was also like, found myself writing. I'm cause I'm just like, and I realized that's what I do. That's what I've all like, whatever it is, was what I was doing to process, to, to cope, to when I'm afraid, when I'm confused, I write it down, you know, yeah. it's sort of, so I don't forget it also. Cause that's my fear of like, oh, I, I don't want to not remember. I want to learn from it. Or I want to know what this, what I was feeling when in tomorrow, because I've, you know, squashed it down. I won't remember. Yes. Uh, Cause I think I did that for so long, or I was afraid to write stuff down and I would just ruminate over and over. But now it's just like, yes, this is what I do when I'm scared or when I'm confused. I think I learned, I, I was telling my therapist this last week that I, I, I don't know the moment and maybe you have a similar moment where you're a kid and you realize that the world is fucked up, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and I, I realized that at a young age, I don't know the, the moment. Yeah. I just know that, to, that it's true yeah. and that, that, that I did not know how to deal with that. And I did, cause it was like, oh, I don't know how to help. I don't know how to do any of this. Yeah. And it was overwhelming and it was scary. Yeah. And also it was like, I'm fucked up too. That's like, I knew that's what that meant too. Yeah. Um, and, and I, it's taken me this long to sort of be like, I don't even know what, what's the next sentence is there, but like, I'm writing it, I guess. Um, but yeah, yeah uh, you, you no, sort of, I love it. Yeah. I know. I love it. Everything. I'm just echoing and reflecting right that. Yeah. Oh, that's back to you. One of the things I do do and, and, and even regardless of whether this is a podcast or not is things come up as people talk because what it, what sketching did for me is it allowed me to to do what I did daily sketching and then when I looked up and saw the world when I engage with people you're off it's almost like I'm sketching with you I know this sounds really it's a visual sketch so one of the things that came up a lot in our conversation with you is this idea of forgetting something I just mm-hmm. wanted to and I want you to ruminate on that idea because 
there's something there that's really deep. Like if that came up for me, I'd go, whoa, where's that coming from? I said, but keep on saying this idea, like I'm, I'm afraid to forget is what I heard. You said it like four or five times yes. in, different, in different contexts, by the way. Mm-hmm. So if I were sketching and those thoughts were coming up, I think there's gold there because it's my subconscious and unconscious saying, why are you, why do you keep on bringing up this idea of so I wanted to share that with you because that was what would happen with me with sketching is like, yeah. I would have this, this co- constant narrative, this record of the same words over and over again, but instead of just letting it play, I go, Oh, well, that's interesting. And I go deeper, deeper, which is the curiosity. I, I'm, I'm tempted to, to go into that curiosity right now, uh, or, or that's my prompt for my sketch, uh, based on our conversation. Uh, <laughs> so a writing I, too. Yeah. I think they're both, but yeah, I've been uh, definitely preoccupied with that in my work, but also in sort of that I realize that I repressed memories or that I don't know if I can trust my memories, um, and, and which means trust myself because you know whether I'm, I realize that I'm either cherry picking memories to make me better or, but m- normally to make me worse. You know, inventing memories or remind or, or or remembering things so. But like, I find myself in binary things of I'm the hero or the villain in these stories or these memories. And it's, you know, normally it's way more complicated than that, but it's knowing how it's kind of scary it is that you can't trust your memory, but also how fascinating that is and interesting and, and, and be curious about it. Why, what, why am I remembering this wrong or not wrong, but like what, 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 what's the change and and why is that happening? And what am I trying to cope with or, or what am I dealing with? And that's, that is, I think the sort of beginning of the answer to what you're saying of, yeah, because I I have said it and I've noticed that I've said it like, (laughs) well, okay, um, we're going full circle in in this regard. So you asked me, you had started the the podcast with the word forgiveness. So Mm -hmm. one of the this is not related to sketching, but something that brought, came up as you were talking about you ruminating on this memories. So being a parent, I'm a parent. I have a 13 year old. The greatest joy of being a parent for me is being able to stand outside of myself at a certain age. So what happened is as my daughter was getting to ages where I experienced certain traumas, I was objectively be, I was objectively able to look at her and go, Oh, like, Oh, there's no way. Or, wow, you went through that, you know? And so I was able to remove myself from it. And so in a way that wasn't disassociating, but connecting. And then again, mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to that duality. So as you were talking, Andy, a good sketch prompt for you, which is what I do, I give prompts to people based on conversations, is remember a memory that you have in knowingly crafted as this X or X and, and sketch it from a different person's perspective, whether it was your mother, your you know your partner, your sibling, but actually look at it from their eyes and sketch it as if you were them, then see what comes up. Mm, I like that. All yeah, right. I think it'll challenge you because I truly want you to embody that, like embody their mannerisms, their attitudes, their mindset, how they might've thought about you, because I sense it'll help you because it's almost like having a third party witness. I want, yeah. you, to, I want you to bear witness to yourself. So that's why it's such a gift. And this is, again, this is what's the joy of conversation. This just came up as we were talking. I have that gift because I have a child. So I'm able to see these moments often, you know, even because I'm I'm older than her. So I'm always going to see it. Right. Um, (laughs) But you don't get that luxury if you don't, you're not a parent, right. To see yourself in these different ages. So, so create that mindset of looking at yourself 
in a memory, in a situation and look at it from somebody else that has was in there or potentially somebody that like, you know, those movies Scrooge where they go in and as if they were watching. Like, what Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the what happens to see what comes up for you? I, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna sketch poetic. <laughs> yes! Um, yay, you converted me. We did it. One person at a time. One person at a time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got your goal for uh, today. I think this is our, let's, let's cool down. We're, okay. if we're on the plane... And and we're comfortable on the plane. We're now about to land here. Uh, and hopefully there's no turbulence. No, that just gave me an exhale. Thank you. Yes. And I and I and I ask everyone this question, and, and this one's a little bit different because I think most of my episodes so far have been with existing friends or old friends or reconnecting friends. And, and I think we are perhaps new friends. I don't want to be too forward, uh, <laughs> but I just want to ask because I think it's very important because it's hard to be friends with someone. I think it's hard to to know everyone's different and there's not a rubric for being friends. And, and I'm doing a very big buildup for this just because I think I am embarrassed about asking this question for some reason. Uh, so it's what, like, how can I be the best friend for you? Or what do you value in relationships or what makes a relationship worth having or nurturing? Oh my gosh, such a great question. And I can understand where that fear or embarrassment was coming from because the implication of asking somebody, I think the word best is always a, a descriptive word that could be triggering. There is no best. I don't have a best friend. Um, what I will tell you this is how you can show up for me. And it's the most easy thing you can do, but it's also the hardest is be yourself. It's be yourself. Like where, where I find the most comfort and the people that I'm the most grounded with is that I can just be myself in that I don't have to, I just don't have to think about um, how I'm showing up to them. Like, I, because they're so busy just being themselves. <laughs> it's like, I know it sounds silly, but it's basic, but it's hard because that's the whole point, right? Is that um, the thing that's coming up for me and that I think is important to share with your audience. And it was my shameful moment when I was sketching is I treated my friends like a check in the box, check box in the, on a list. I haven't seen Andy in three months. I should go see him. Not mm. because I wanted to see you necessarily from the heart deepest parts of myself. I thought, well, Andy, I don't want Andy to think. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want Andy to think I've forgotten him. And so what, where it was really coming from wasn't about you. It was about me feeling better about myself being a better friend to you. I, and, and, and how shitty that is. Right. There's a calculation there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but it comes from a place of wanting to make sure it's a people pleasing thing. Right. And so to answer your question, and I answered that kind of long winded, but I'm glad I did is that if I were to ask a person that is truly a friend in my life now, do they feel like a check box? They will say no, because when I am there, I'm present. Mm. So if we can just be present with each other in that moment and nothing else exists, that is the best thing you can provide for me as a friend. Um, because in that moment, there's a reason we're connecting. And in that moment, there's something we're supposed to process together that is greater than us. That's really what I believe. So if that means it's X time or this podcast and we see each other in the grocery store, it's very different, right? And so I think that's how I would answer it. There is no answer, definitive answer. It's just, it is in the moment. No, that's a, I mean, that's a beautiful answer. And because uh, I'm a people pleaser, I think I always agree with people uh, when it's, <laughs> you know, but I also am like, well, yeah, I, I, I want that out of a friend too. Because I think 
uh, a lot of times I would be different people with different friends, or I wouldn't feel comfortable being myself. And most of the, a lot of times that was my own anxiety. It wasn't necessarily the people dictating that. Right. But I didn't trust myself to be myself with everyone. And that's been sort of my journey here is like, I'm going to smush all my identities. Why am I having baseball, Andy, academic Andy, you know, from a kid, you know, all these things were so confusing. It's just like, let's just be Andy Uh, and whatever flawed, whatever wonderful Andy that is. And I really appreciate what you said about being in the moment and having sort of no expectations either. Cause I, I have found myself in that trap too, of like, Oh, I haven't seen this person in a couple of months. I, I feel it's guilt, you know, like, Oh, I need to be friends with this person. But it's also like, I, I don't feel that the other way. I'm, I'm sort of like, Oh, when someone thinks of me and they want to hang out, I'm like, Oh, okay. You know, that sounds good. Like, and it, it could be a year. It could be three days later, you know, or whatever it is. And it depends. But I think I feel like I find myself explaining myself to a lot of friends or, or to people. Sometimes I, maybe I don't need to, but I'm sort of like, Hey, I'm not going to respond to you immediately, yeah. or I'm not going to be, I want to be present. That's the, that's always what well, it is. What you just said though, there will be a byproduct though. If you do become more grounded in that ability to just be in the moment, because what ends up happening is you don't, you don't need, when, when you don't have any expectations of your friends or the, the outcome is you just end up, you just have more fun. You know, I think, I think play is a big part of like, we talked about play earlier. I think we just get so caught up in perceptions of who we are and how we're showing up and all these different identities. It's just so exhausting really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I think it's just, it's just nice to, to just be, as you said, the the two words, I love what you said about the Spanish words. I'm going to have to ask you to text that to me. Oh yeah, I will do that. I feel like we've sort of reached the end here. I mean, I could talk to you forever, but I feel like, I feel like we're at a good place now. And so I just wanted to thank you. I wanted to explain, like, I am so grateful for you to, I mean, I think through this whole process, you've, you've been sort of the reassuring uh, person <laughs> and I've been like, you know, trying not to throw anxiety, but being like, Oh, I want to do good. Um, you know, and I think, but I, I even felt it when you weren't even saying anything. I, uh, I felt that energy and that was nice. Um, so I just want to thank you for that. And, and this has been really cool. Uh, well, I will just say to you, Andy, like you said, I've done many podcasts. This one felt like, like you said, an old friend coming together and just talking. And th- that to me is important because, you know, as much as you, and it comes from such a beautiful place, you, you're such a pure, pure heart. That's the word that came across as we engage, that you have such a pure soul and pure as in, I see that inner kid that just wants, just wants to be loved. And that's what it came, what came across. It's like, I don't do it for any of the, that's what it was feeling like. And what I was trying to reassure you. And I think it's because I'm a mom that part of (laughs) it. It's like, it's going to be okay. I love you no matter what, like that's what I was Yeah. The the Mr. Rogers. Regardless of this podcast. I mean, not, I never would have anticipated anything different than what we just did, but you are loved just as you are and we are enough and it's the same narrative the same issue it's universal i don't care where you're at being enough is hard to accept it's really hard yeah well and i want to send that to you because i feel like i'm sure you're probably normally the person dispensing these things but i want to make sure that like (laughs) you are enough and that i really appreciate you and all the things you sort of stand for and, and not even stand for. It's like, you're actually living them that stand for is actually maybe not. No, I think that's a big compliment. I love yeah. that's probably the highest compliment you can give me is that I'm living it. 
Besides, yeah. again, imposter syndrome. I projected a lot of crap that I didn't live and breathe for a long time. So I'm calling, I call myself when I don't walk the walk anymore. And, and sometimes I fall. Sometimes I, I do fall and, and I like, why are you doing that again? Oh, okay. Let's remind yourself why. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. It really means a lot. Of course, Sheila. Um, well, I look forward to whatever our next chapter is. Yeah, chapter two. Chapter two. Ooh. Second chapter is always a little scarier than the first. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm already worrying about the outcome. Of the see, I'm, I'm, I, that was a that was a joke. Dun, um, dun, dun. The, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Ha! Um, there's a shadow in the. Do you, is there any skeleton behind me? Did you see? Oh, we. You see, you did see that. There's a skeleton behind me now. There oh. you go. We're done. We're we're good. We can wrap this up. All right. Thanks again for being on the podcast, Sheila. And I look forward to talking with you soon. For sure. Thanks for having me. (sighs) Exhale. This is a conversation I'm going to return to a lot. I needed this conversation and I believe Sheila did too. We built a sacred space together. I'm so grateful to Sheila for joining me and trusting me and for making this the easiest episode to edit ever. I loved it just the way it was. And you, yes, you, thank you for listening to our conversation. As Sheila said, you are loved just the way you are. We can all pre-order Sheila's book, Sketch by Sketch, on sketchpoetic.com. Now, Mom, don't order it yet. I'll get it for you for Christmas. But while you're waiting for your book to arrive, you can find the soundtrack to Sheila's life and every other lovely guest I've had on the show on the Naked Man Spotify profile page. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell all your friends and fellow seekers. And if you want to join the community, please follow us on Instagram at Naked Man Pod and on Facebook at Naked Man Podcast. And don't hesitate to reach out to us at nakedmanpod at gmail.com. Better yet, Give us a call at 747-231-7120 to share your thoughts and feelings about this episode or whatever you're going through right now. Next time on the Naked Man Podcast, I'm going to tell another story from my childhood. Lucky you. And in the meantime, as my dad always says, be sweet. This episode of the Naked Man podcast was conceived by Andy Green in collaboration with Sheila Darcy. The Naked Man is a podcast hosted, created, and produced by me, Andy Green. All music was composed by Robert Panico, and all graphics were created by Christopher Miles.